0: the express welcome back everybody this is mason with the express podcast we just want to thank you once again for all you're doing and all the support you've been giving us throughout this whole process this podcast is produced by centered media if you haven't go ahead and follow them on instagram and today we have got a good one for you we're going to be talking about the importance of nature versus nurture in sports when talking or when concerning elite athletes we're going to dive into the meanings behind both nature and nurture how it impacts athletes at all level and which one is really more important when you're talking about elite athletes thank you again for all your support hope you enjoy So Welcome back, guys, to the Express Podcast. Uh, We have taken a a slightest of slight break, Um, been extremely busy, and we are finally getting back into our our groove here. Uh, We're going to be producing something a little more consistent. Today is going to be March 9th when we are putting this out, and we will put out our next episode on Tuesday uh, the following. So What that means is we're going to be putting out two episodes every month to be more consistent, and uh give you all the content we appreciate all the love you've been giving us um definitely through the instagram and other social media platforms it has been great and we're just i guess i can speak for all of us and we're just happy to finally be back in the booth recording something um so just give you a quick little update mitch you have some big news regarding all things loyal
1: yeah no we've been busy over here bro we just moved into a new office space a new warehouse space so we moved in like I guess last week was like our first official weekend here. So just trying to get everything put together and keep it moving, bro. But it's definitely uh nice to be out the house with it, bro. Just you know, big moves coming twenty twenty one.
0: I would say that's a that's a large step in the business platform too.
1: Bro, it's been so nice though. Yeah. No, it's definitely gonna uh definitely make me uh get some more stuff popping out here soon. So expect sure. some stuff.
0: And then Dan's, you are in Florida currently. Um,
2: yeah, spring training.
0: Living the spring training life.
2: Man, what the spring training life is? It's fun, but it can be very boring at times. Mal is obviously not here, so just like riding that lonely train. To be honest, uh, go to the field, <laughs> do my stuff at the field, make sure I get all my work in, um, and then just come home. And I mean, I really just spend a lot of time at. Uh, This place I'm staying down here, which is actually, it's really nice. It's got a lot of space. Um, I got like a media uh, room upstairs. It's got a pool table. Um, So I honestly just like will either listen to a podcast or something, just play pool, which is actually kind of peaceful for me because getting better, A and B, it's just kind of like some good, like alone time. Um, But, I mean.
1: Are you really us down there?
2: uh you're not not allowed to come down (laughs) no you're not allowed to come down unfortunately yeah I'll humble that pool game well Um, uh,
0: well you've had a super busy off season too i feel like
2: yeah so i mean that's what you know we talked about like we hadn't put out an episode in four months or so but in reality like the off season almost is busier than the regular season like the the regular season it's very structured um you know i'm Playing pretty much for eight months, two of that being spring training and or one and a half of spring, and then another month for playoffs, and then the six month season. So it's kind of like your day is structured, like you know your schedule each day. You're playing around seven o'clock, sometimes one o'clock. Um, so you can kind of like we can get on a good routine as far as doing these episodes or whatever else is going on in the you know in the world and in life is easier during the season, but sometimes in the off season. It, it everything like that you were pushing off because you were in season now, you got to do uh out of season. And uh, you know, we just moved into a new house,
1: Mal and I did um, this off season. So, Mason and Lex, really trying too, to, boy, Mason got some big news out the biggest news out of all of us. Bro. I know, uh, I was about to say, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, off this, um, I say off season period, that's what it is for you. This winter period for me has been absolutely crazy. Uh, Lex and I moved into a new house, which. Good Lord, that is a adventure within itself. You never realize how much stuff you have until you have to move said stuff. And you're like, what is in that box? And it's like, oh, it's from the back room. It's like, how many boxes are from the back room? Put
1: it in the attic. Correct. Yeah, put
0: it in the attic.
2: Gosh. It's it's all the stuff you said, I'll do something with this later. And then now is yeah. later. <laughs> and you're like, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, dang, all right, I got to do this. And then, yeah, big biggest news probably is I got engaged uh, two weekends ago, which... That talking about yep, clap it up, clap it up. i'd say a, uh, a life changing moment right there, which was very interesting day all around, I'll say getting engaged and during a pandemic is uh very interesting of trying to coordinate everybody coming. Wish Dan's we could have came up, but oh, no. I don't know. I asked was not getting there.
1: So like just really like really the best friend type yeah. <laughs> Mish was
0: there. <laughs> Mish was there, but yeah, it was very a lot of nervous, nervous energy that day. Not that, not that I was nervous that she was gonna say that no. I Nervous though. Yeah, yeah. It was just um, a big moment. Did she like say that. no? No, she. Uh, a slight pause. There was a slight pause. Yeah. She, she thought said about no. it. She,
2: she said no. Mason slid her a hundred dollar bill, and then but she said, she said it. yes. <laughs>
0: it's a yeah. pretty sweet bargain,
1: bro. <laughs> it's
0: you know, money talks. Cash bucks. That's straight. Cash talks. Cash talks. But <laughs> no, nah, So we're doing that, and then. Obviously, just uh, we're in the middle of creating a, a media brand, so that's kind of going off right now in my entrepreneur flow. Shout out to my guy Kev. If you haven't, go follow M House Media. Little plug right there because we're about to create. We're about to be our sponsor,
1: M House Media.
0: Sponsored by this is sponsored by M House Media with which is me creating this for you. But um, no, we're trying to start our own brand and trying to uh, get our brand name and everything trademarked which you know how that process is with all things loyal it's kind of a a tedious little guy it is something that you know we're looking really forward to so be on the lookout for that but yeah so we've we've all had a busy a busy little break here and uh today we got a really good topic for you which is kind of one like right now i saw something that somebody said debate culture of sports is kind of ruining the internet well here we go i say like
1: <laughs> clickbait culture though
0: yeah, there's a lot of that.
1: I think the debates have gotten so outrageous that like their takes are so out there, just so you'll be like, all right, who is this dude? You know what I'm saying? Well, this is this is informational sports debate.
2: This isn't yes. um, This isn't opinion over players or comparisons of players or anything of that sort. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a little bit more in depth, and I feel like this will really help uh, not only kids that are have aspirations to be you know professional athletes or even you know collegiate athletes but if any parents are listening to i feel like this is a a big thing Um, or coaches that are listening just because this will really help i think really help you understand how to develop uh athletes to be the best versions of themselves whether that's on field or off field so
0: right and it's a it's a very interesting topic and it's the it's a topic of nature versus nurture so what we're going to be talking to you all about today, which is something that you all probably discuss without even knowing, is we're going to be looking at and kind of studying professional athletes or elite athletes. Um, so when I define elite, uh, I'm talking about anybody who's played uh, in a collegiate for a NCAA team, um, for a national team, or a professional team when talking about any sport. So any sport you can think of, it doesn't matter if it's table tennis, it doesn't matter if it's the MLB, it doesn't matter if it's NBA, whatever you may be at. We're going to be discussing, you know, when it comes down to these individuals becoming elite athletes, is it more because of their genetic makeup that they have? So these, these genes that allow them to do these things that are more unnatural, high level than others, or is it the opportunities that they had growing up, which this is kind of the nature versus nurture argument. So just give you some quick definitions for some listeners who may not really understand fully in the depth what we're talking about. So when I, when we speak on something called nature, the definition I got for you is this generally refers to care given to children by parents or more broadly that to their environmental influences. So this is what you are inquired like acquiring genetically. So your parents are giving it to you. So you inherit this when you are born. Uh, nurture is more referring to all the environmental variables uh, that impact who we are, including our early childhood experiences, how we were raised, how we develop social relationships, and the culture that surrounds that. So these are something, some character traits that are acquired over time. And so when you're analyzing different athletes, it's very, very interesting to see you know, why are they the way that they are. And I'm interested to, see, to hear kind of not only what they have to say, but the reaction to this conversation as well.
1: I mean, you see it firsthand being a coach and everything and dance. We've seen it firsthand just getting to the level that he's at.
0: Well, so, well let, let me ask y'all starting off by this. Have you heard of something called the 10,000 hour rule? Yep. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. What is that? So 10,000 hour rule is essentially this, uh, I guess you'd call it like almost like a theory um, that Malcolm Gladwell, right? Wrote in yep, his book yep, yep, yep. Um, called The Outliers, uh, which is a great book for anybody that wants to read that. Malcolm Gladwell is a very smart dude. Um, But I would say that the 10,000 hour rule is essentially for no matter whatever profession it is that you're doing, whether you're a violinist, I think that's like the, the analogy he uses in the book, is to become a true elite master at something, um, you need to have put in 10,000 hours of work for, like, to reach that tier, um, to basically master your craft, essentially.
0: Right. And so the idea is this is, this is nurture. So this is the argument saying that in order for you to be like, right, So in order for dance, be to play at a very high level, he has to have 10,000 hours of practicing that craft. Now, the other question is just 10,000 hours of you practicing the craft is most likely not going to get you. So you have to have something that's called like deliberate practice, meaning it's not 10,000 hours of you playing baseball in the front yard or us playing sock ball in Nancy's kitchen it is you know 10,000 hours of you deliberately practicing the skills that are going to make you successful at that next level in- intentional work yes yeah, intentional work right so you're in the cage you're taking you know you're doing infield drills whatever it may be growing up all right and so if you were to really take this those 10,000 hours if you practiced intentionally for 6 hours a day this would take you f- anywhere between 4 and 5 years Right, to develop this skill. So when talking about professional athletes and what this, you know, genetic makeup or whatnot, and you when you're looking at this 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 thing of ten thousand hours, my question is how can it not be nurture that makes you a professional athlete? Because if you have certain opportunities when you're younger, right? So let's say your parents, which happened to all of us at the age of two or 18 months or a year, they put a baseball glove in your hand, okay? And they go, they introduce you to the sport of baseball. So at that young age, you automatically associate, you know, playing sports. You're starting to learn a little bit about baseball. You grow up and then let's say maybe at six, you get, you have the ability to play for a t-ball team. And then that t-ball team turns into a high level t-ball team that leads you to playing at a high level at seven and eight. And then at eight years old, maybe you go to a a new, you know, a new facility that has great coaching. It has, um, you know, people that can deliberately help you in trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve. And they give you different tools and you become better and better and better. Well, the idea is you have been given certain opportunities that other individuals haven't. Right. So, That would allow you, in theory, to reach your 10,000 hours quickly. So, because you're reaching your 10,000 hours quickly, that allows you to be more proficient or more professional at a younger age. Does that make sense? Question is, how is that? How is nurture not the main component when talking about what makes you a professional athlete?
2: So, I think when, yeah, when you picture it and phrase it, the way when you paint the picture the way that you just did, then it the clear answer is nurture, but I don't think that the way that it was depicted is necessarily the the end all be all and the reason I say that is because like we' were, there there's tiers and levels to every bit of this right it's not it it's never as clear cut as is nature or nurture, which for the sake of the argument, you know that's kind of what we're doing, but right. how I'm looking at it is saying. If you have someone that's naturally extremely gifted, of course, if they're not given the same opportunities as far as, let's say, you know, my mom and dad never put a baseball glove or a baseball in my hands, then I would not be where I'm at because I would never have gotten fully into the sport, even if I was genetically made to be able to do some of those things, right? That's That's the easy way to look at it for me. But if you take it a step further... Um, and kind of the example I use is if you take someone that's naturally gifted, let's say on a one out of 10 level, if he's naturally gifted as an eight and a person, uh, and they're, and they're given poor coaching versus a someone that's naturally gifted with a level three talent that's given the best coaching, I would still put my money on the person that was naturally gifted at the eight because I think that that's too big of a gap to make up. Because at the end of the day, if they have the same amount of hours and one of them's not necessarily the best coaching versus the nurture component, then I think in the long haul, I would put my money on the nature part because genetically speaking, and I don't know what level you're trying to look at, but I have a feeling that that person is going to get more out of their performance than someone that's starting lesser. But if you start narrowing the gap and you say – like, for instance, right, like – and I'm not trying to talk bad about, like, a Northwestern football team, but they're not getting five stars. They're probably not really getting four stars. They're getting three stars and two stars, and they're still competing at a high level. Now, is that because of the environment that they're put in, right? Um, You know, there's so many, like, complex ways to look at it. Uh, The other other prime example that I always talk about is – there's no such thing as a perfect system, right? Like, I think about mm-hmm. football. There's no such thing as a perfect system. However, like, I'm talking schematically. However, I do think there's a perfect system in getting the most out of what your player is naturally gifted at, right? So, like, if you had Mahomes, and maybe he's not as good of an example because he is that talented, right? What if you put him in a situation where he was in Tennessee with Derrick Henry? Would he be the same quarterback? I would venture to say no. Right. So, but when you put an elite talent level guy put in a environment and system in which he's in, where he can thrive off of what he's best at, then you get the elite of the elite. So, to me, it's definitely it's it's always in the middle. Like these answers are always in the middle.
1: I was Um, gonna say, like. You can even use us three as an example. We played on the same team. And, like, you could – no cap, no knock on me and Mace, but, like, Dan's was, like, just gifted at what he was doing. And he made the jump to that next upper, you know, from we were all right here, we were going to the same practices and everything, same time, commitment, everything, and he was already just, like, that much better, you know. So it's like we had the same opportunities, but he – was just more on pace to get to that next level. If that makes sense. Yeah, I was. I was just like I was just
2: given more from my parents. People, I mean, yeah, and place. people ask
1: me all the time to like, did you know like Dansby was like gonna be in the league when y'all were little kids? I'm like, yes. Like he was that much better than us, and we were on the top team, and he was yes. better than us. Yeah. So that's a na- that's nature. Like we all had the same opportunity. We all went to the same practices, same games, same everything. Granted, he might've been doing some stuff outside of that, but like, as far as opportunity, we were all right there. And then he made the jump and we did not.
0: Right. And so here, here, well, here's some, Dansby said something that is very interesting and he's talking about, uh, coaching. And so let me, there was a study. So I, I, part of my research, I kind of looked into this Princeton university did a study, um, you know, they kind of say Georgia Southern's like the Princeton of the South or something like I, that. I've but, heard that. I've heard right, that. Yeah. That's, so a Princeton study did, you know, a, a study on effectiveness of deliberate practice. So if you are actually having a practice that is designed to get the most out of your hours, how effective is that? And like, what is like, what is your result? Like how much better are you going to be because of that? And I got some stats for you. So when it comes down to your effectiveness in a game, okay. Deliberate practice made a 26% difference. When it comes down to more practice in music, all right, this made a 21% difference. When it comes down to sports, it made an 18% difference. And when it comes down to education, it makes a 4% difference. And when it comes down to certain professions, whether it's media or whatever, it makes a 1% difference. And so the question is, is it really worth it to practice that much or is the practice time worth it? Like I'm sure you and I, everybody on this call has been to a, has been involved in a coach or been on a team where you practiced for, you know, till the sun went down and you might as well start. And when the sun came up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you practice. You practice hard too. You
0: practice hard, and you practice for a long time. And I know each one of us has been sitting there, whether you're waiting for a transition of a drill, whether you're, you know, waiting for you know to pick up the balls or whatever. And you, you thought to yourself, "Is this worth it? Like, oh yeah, is this worth my time? Like, what are we even doing?" Right. And so, the thing that the study comes out is it says. It's actually better for growth to have less practice, but you have to practice less with the combination of having a high grade teacher or coach. So you can practice quality and quantity. Exactly. You're not
1: just wasting your time.
0: Exactly. So you you actually you become a master faster if you have less practice but your quality of practice is a lot higher right so you're you're absolutely like developing this specific skill that you're trying to deliberately be better at
2: if you're asking if it's worth it i would say absolutely yes because i don't think people i i don't want people to get fooled by the numbers because even when you said oh 1% difference yo all i'm That's searching 1%. for right now is 1% in my,
0: that's what I'm saying. Like you're searching for that one percent, but you... searching
2: for one percent right Push. now, dude. If I got a twenty six percent increase, dude, Push. could you like? So so here's how I look at it. Let's say let's say uh, in 2019 I hit 251, and let's just say out of 150 hits, right? Yeah, yeah. Give me a twenty six percent increase, and let's say that gave me out of a hundred at bats, or I got 26 more hits, bro. I'd be hitting close to 300, if not right. 320. But remember, and I'm like,
0: this is for trying to get kids to the elite status. So you are, oh, I hate saying this, but no, you no, are I'm already like I was trying
1: not to say it earlier.
0: But. You are already considered elite, and I, God, it hurts to say. But you are already considered elite in this category. So you, <laughs> uh.
2: well, when when you said elite, when you said elite at a college level, that kind of made me go like,
0: well, when you're talking, you got to well, remember statistics now. So if you're talking about elite athletes, so. Technically what that what is defined is if you are an elite athlete is if you make it to the NCAA level, you play on a national team or a profession. So because and that's just because of statistics, right? We all know the, how many percentage of students actually make it to go play in the second, like, you know. And so that's kind of very interesting. Now, the other thing we're gonna have to look at for nurture is this thing called motivation. Right, so that's part of nurture as well. A lot of people forget that is okay. Well, the power of motivation is, you know, fill in the blank. But, and so they said, you know, in order to achieve this professional status, not only do you have to practice, but your your motivational mindset has to be one to where you have this idea of a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset yeah and so the fixed mindset which is the problem that's plaguing america right now is fixed mindsets say that you are you're blaming others for your failures well the coach isn't calling the right place well i didn't get enough touches well we're running the wrong offense and then a growth mindset is okay how can i fix this and so i think motivation plays a large role into this too
2: well i I'm going to be careful about using the term motivation.
0: I know you don't like motivation, but.
2: Yeah. But and, and, and the only reason I'm saying that too is because motivation is very much a feeling that comes and goes. Like I'm not motivated all the time by any means. And I'll be the first to admit that. However, I am disciplined with those things because even when I don't feel motivated, I still get the stuff done that I need to get done. And we've right. obviously been over that before on previous podcasts um but i it's tough for me to i i guess maybe it's just because of where i'm at and the things that i've seen um nurture is definitely a big part of it but i also want to mention i think your nature determines what kind of nurture that you need Mm. because there are certain people like let's just say me for instance With my nature, I need to be nurtured a different way and need a certain type of environment that's going to help me thrive more. And I feel like that's really, really important for coaches to understand is, prime example in hitting, half the people in the world think, you know, teach swing down on the ball. The other half teach swing up on the ball, you know. And the best hitting coaches that I know, it's neither. It's what works for you, right? Like, what does your... Uh, like so naturally i naturally I have a pretty like downward swing if I think down i I hit two ten right two twenty i do I did what I did my first couple years when I start thinking swing up, it actually levels me out to where I have started to get better and progress as a player right so that's a that 's a nurture argument to my nature now a guy like um I'll use him as an example because we just signed him but Jake Lamp. he's in there talking today about how he has to think think down because when he that levels him out because normally he's more up right so that to me that's a prime example because naturally I do this where I need to start thinking that to get the best result and I think that's the same thing for a lot of people like there's no one way to look at it, especially in coaching the best way is to listen to your player and understand that this is actually going to get you to do that instead of you do that naturally. So like we'll work on this. Right. Um, it's, it, it is a very interesting argument. Um, and I think that's just where coaching in my opinion really needs to take that next, that next step, uh, in helping empower kids how to learn about themselves and learn what they're naturally gifted at and how to like, corral that into being an elite player right yeah Um, because how how often do you hear in the draft like nfl draft or combine like that guy's that guy's really raw which essentially means he's still he hasn't been nurtured too well right like right but he's got the nature aspect of it. he's naturally like like people will say that about justin fields quarterback like, he's, he's got very the, wrong. Intangible, the intangibles. Oh, man, I'm like, cool. great arm, great mobility, yeah. you know. Tall, big tall, hands. Tall, strong, built good. But does he have as much of the skill as what they're looking for? He can definitely grow into that. But would you How rather you get take him Justin there? Fields? Would you rather take Justin Fields or because of all those things that he was gifted with, or would you say, no, I'm going to take uh, – so-and-so uh who's the who's
0: the am trying to think wilson. of somebody's. or what's no who's the uh who's the Bryce guy from, Young? yeah from byu oh no zach wilson zach wilson no that's a whole
2: nother debate yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like are you gonna take uh a guy that has the things that you're looking for skill-wise but doesn't have the arm doesn't have the strength doesn't have the size and i would venture to say you're like josh allen that boy was raw Look at him now, yeah. balling. Well, I was going to say the
1: same thing. Trey Lance would probably be a good example because he just didn't even have film out there. Like, they didn't even play this last year. But he's six five, can scoot and boot, like, has an arm from what they do have on, you know, film on him. But do you take that raw product and figure out how to nurture it into where you want it to go? Correct. Cool. Yeah. So, uh,
2: it, 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 I, I would imagine, and most coaches probably say, well, I'm taking the nature. You know why? Because – all coaches feel that they can nurture yeah, that get person to, get yeah. to where they want. Right, right. They feel like they can get them. Like, oh, if I just got my hands on a baby, like, ooh, like mm-hmm. it's gonna be nice. It's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 that's why I still tend to say the nature aspect because the nature uh, to really break it down. And I know we're doing a terrible job of picking sides here, which I think. Is but we okay got to cover normal. all the bases, yeah. Like nature will get you to a certain level, right? Let's say nature uh, gets you to the college level, right? Nurture gets you to be a, uh, a player in the professional ranks, right? And then that's when, like, we were talking about finding those extra little percentages, gets you to be elite amongst the elite, right? Like the Freddie Freemans, the, the Mike Trouts, the uh, Mookie Betts, like those guys. Right? right, like that's a different level of player,
0: hmm.
2: partially because of the nature, but partially because of the nurture too. You know,
0: very, um, which is why,
2: which is why I, I say like, I think that's why I put a lot on coaches to say, no, 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 you need to be better at figuring out what your player is good at, and then nurturing those strengths, right. like. I, I hate the like whole argument of like, oh, well, he can't do this. Well, who cares? Like, who cares if they can't do that? Really, really what can they do down on what they're good at, right? Yeah. Like, don't quit telling me what he can't do. Tell me what he can do.
0: Yeah, and so part of what we were talking about before the show started or the, the podcast started is I was telling you I'm reading that book, The Inner Game of Tennis, and he talks about that. So they say, this guy is a tennis coach by trade. And so he was saying, but he this relates to all sports because you're about to understand completely what I'm talking about. So when someone is having a great game, like let's say that they're, you know, they've got 40 points or whatever, an NBA basketball game. All right. It's not because they're hyper-focused on what they're doing. They usually they'll say that, Oh my gosh, this kid's playing out of his mind. Right. Or he's unconscious. Like this kid is just, he's going off. And that's because he is. Or they are, right? And so the theory is that like you play the best when you're comfortable and you believe in yourself, which all of us and, and any athlete, I think, can equate to this, right? So imagine if you're playing, I don't know, a pickup basketball game or golf. We all golf. We'll, we'll go golf. If you're golfing with somebody, I'm not going to put them out there who's you know worse like, like Mitch. If we go golf with somebody who's worse than us, I'd feel no pressure as if I have to beat them because I already know I'm better than them. So what ends up happening? I play my best round of golf. Why? Because I'm relaxed. I'm not thinking about it. But if we go play, you know, with people who are better than us and have lower handicaps than us, we might feel the need to, oh man, you know, (sighs)
1: I got to make this shot.
0: I, I got to make this shot or you start thinking too much. I got to keep my chest down. I got to, I got to reach more back. I got to come more up in my swing. I got to do this with my feet. And then all of a sudden you start messing up little stuff. And he says, you know, when people come to him for tennis lessons, they'll go, Oh man, my backhand's really off. I'll be like, Why? be like, oh, well, I've had three or four pros tell me that my racket's too high. I'm coming down at too bad of an angle. I'm not coming up enough, yada, yada. He'll be all right, we'll just hit some. He doesn't say anything. He just lets them hit, which is a great coaching point for all the other coaches out there. Half the time, you don't need to say anything. Just be quiet and watch. And you're like, that's not coaching. I guarantee you it is. Because just be quiet and watch what they do. Because oftentimes, you'll be able to pick up little stuff that they're doing And you can give them, you know, and this is where the other part comes in. It's like, let's say that in golf, their feet are really bad, but their backswing is, you know, okay. If you tell them, Hey man, maybe you want to scoot your feet in and they scoot their feet in and then their backswing becomes terrible. It's because their brain is too crowded. So it's also like, there's a study saying that the more positive, like positivity feedback you give an athlete, like the better they are just to fix the little things naturally. And so he says further for this backswing of this woman he's given a lesson to he's like well have you not seen somebody do a backs like a, a backhand and she's like yeah he's like, i will just do that and she's like well he's like well let me hit you 10 and he said like 8 out of the 10 she hit perfect he's like what's the difference and she's like i was just i wasn't really thinking about it and that's the exact point right like your mental state it's like the same thing you know for golf like we said we play our best golf when you're not thinking about it think about when you're playing like when we were younger trying to play pickup basketball with somebody that's older than us like if you feel that pressure to try to make shots or do things you're not going to play very well but when you're playing with somebody that's garbage our little brother or whatever then you're going to go off splegate, splegate, splegate. yeah <laughs> you're going to go off which is this like interesting kind of idea that Dans being basketball yeah like when we play danesby being basketball it's like no pressure at all so you just it's just like, it's like no
1: pressure i was beating y'all one on two whatever that's uh, not true like, yeah for all you listeners that is not that I is guess.
0: not true <laughs> uh, well
2: i here I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna throw this out at you though in a different way and i, I was i thought that's what you're gonna say um but in a different light i would say so let's say um the you know the high school kid scores 40 right and you're like man he was just unconscious today. part of it too is you almost feel like that kid's strengths were utilized in that game, whether it was the game plan or because, let's just say, uh, the guy can really shoot it, and they were playing like a soft uh, 2-3 zone or something, and he was able to get a lot of open looks. Well, naturally, like you hear this all the time, I'm looking for so-and-so to have a big game because, you know, they play this style of ball, and this is what he's really good at, and it's going to expose all of the holes in which the team that he's playing – and for me as an athlete, I almost think of like that person is in a, in a flow state is what I'll call it. Like they're in like this flow state because they don't have to think because all the things that they're naturally gifted at is coming naturally as well in the game. So they're just flowing with what the game's given them. Right. But, yeah, exactly. So, it, but then all of a sudden, let's just say they are, uh, that shooter, but they're playing somebody that plays a press style, you know, uh, defense, kind of helter-skelter, you know, a lot of hand-checking, a lot of fighting and stuff. They may not have as good of a game unless if there is a game plan to put them into that, like, rhythm and flow state. Same with, you know, how you start off quarterbacks for a game. Give them some easy throws, let them get in rhythm. We talk about that all the time. Literally the same thing applies in life, but I think that that's a huge component of athlete success uh, and like, you were just like, we were just talking about because when they get into their rhythm, correct. When they're put in a place to succeed, it'd be like, uh, uh, let's just use a, we'll use baseball as an example. This is easy for me to break down. It's like how, uh, your bullpen managing your bullpen, are you putting your relievers in a position to succeed? Are you bringing your lefty specialist in to face three right-handed hitters? I'll let you know how that's gonna go. Not good. Right? And it's gonna be like, oh that person's not any good, this and that. It's like, no, because he was not in an environment that's gonna be good for his success. Right. However, you line him up with three lefties, and I bet you it goes really good for him, right? So I mean that that to me is a huge part of it is are you being put in situations to succeed? Now, granted, that's also at the highest of the highest levels, but when you're younger yeah, you need to figure out how to get those righties out too, right? Or you're not going to get to that next that next phase. Um, so it, it's it is a very interesting argument. Uh, I think the nurturing component, to me, takes okay players to good players, good players to great players, and great players to top level players, and your freaks that are blessed beyond measure to like. That's a argument yeah Well,
0: that's what I was gonna ask is okay, so we've talked a lot about the nurture now. How do we deny the fact that homie's six nine with a eight foot wingspan and a thirty inch vert? How do you de- how do you deny how do you Right you, ball in his hand? Yeah, but how do you deny like Giannis? Like, how do you he's a genetically gifted freak. Like, that is a hundred percent nature. He did nothing to receive that. It's not like he took some pill or whatever to make him receive that height he just is like that and his brothers are are like that now obviously we can talk about the difference between Giannis and his brothers but just him being a genetic freak like how do you look at people like that and go well dang that's not it has to be genetics because homie's six nine yeah
2: well like what about um you know when I was back in school over the summer uh we were talking about similar kinds of things and Genetically speaking, if you're seven foot, there's, I don't know how many seven footers in the world, but if you're seven foot, your chances of being an NBA basketball player are astronomically bigger than any other size. Like you, it, it's like almost like, I don't want to get the number wrong, but it's like 15% of seven players are in the league. So it's like, if you're seven foot, you have a huge advantage over anyone else, just purely because of size
0: this is where I want to kind of stem into as one of our last discussions is if you're looking at elite athletes and this is what always, I think we've all talked about this before, but how many elite athletes have parents that were also elite athletes? You know what I mean? Like how many elite athletes or professionals are, have parents that were either they played in college or they played in the NFL or, you know, you're talking about like the, Griffey or Curry or Clay Thompson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you start breaking that down and you go, okay, well, is that because, was, is Steph Curry the way that he is? Cause Steph Curry's what? Six, two, maybe probably six, three on a roster to look good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, traditionally speaking, there's guards that are way taller than six, three in the league all over the place. Like that's like the new guard is like six, four, six, five. And so, when you're looking at this is Steph Curry the way that he is and he's, was he as comfortable playing around big time people because he grew up with his dad and being in Charlotte and having the opportunity to shoot around in an NBA gym. And yeah, you know, like how much does that play into it?
2: Yeah. And I'll, I'll take that even a step further. I'll use like the ball brothers as an example. I, I would love to know a study on this too of, the youngest sibling in an athletic family. How being, if they end up being, being the best. The best. Athlete.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't have that, but I do have other numbers for us. I went ahead and got a study.
1: Yeah. Maybe come strapped with the numbers.
0: I came strapped with the numbers today, people.
1: Teacher at heart. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Teacher at heart,
1: former math major.
0: <laughs> and here we go.
1: Boy loves the numbers. All right, let's mm-hmm. hit it.
0: So, 2016 it's not like a game host 2016 the wall street journal okay they did a study and they found that 48.8 percent of nba players are related to current or former elite athletes and again they're using the same that's why see i set y'all up Um, they're using the same standard for elite as what i've been using this whole time if you
2: played if you pretty much played above high school Right. Correct.
0: You are considered an elite athlete. And so when you're looking at this, that's 48% in the NBA, 17.5% in the NFL, and 14.5% in the MLB are related to someone that is currently or former elite athletes.
2: So we're saying, so you basically saying in the NBA 52% are not.
0: Correct. So, but still 48%, that's an astronomically, that's a large number.
1: I'd say because yeah. a lot of that is
0: size. Right. So thats, that's obviously it's obviously, a, it's a genetic, it's a nature argument, but that's kind of an interesting stat and people, you know, I was reading this study and this is kind of weird, but the Wall Street guy was like, you know, this makes sense. If you're looking at like professional horses, like horses, like horse races.
2: Oh
1: Yeah. They breeding from, breeding yeah with, uh, yeah
0: they they come from a, a line where they come from other professional horses like like people who have won the triple crown or whatever like a
2: hundred years ago like yes like down the line oh exactly. yeah
0: exactly and he goes so if they're doing it in horses like why do you not think it would make sense for people just to be genetic and that's always funny you know when you're talking about you know having children or or whatever like i'm more you know like if people probably said you well you and Mao, if you guys have children i'm not pushing it on you
2: no oh y'all have super babies
0: y'all have super babies right and then yeah
2: you yeah. know however i'm gonna yeah. say this about your number though that i think is going to it this is why it's that much more advantageous in my opinion to be coming from an elite athlete family i would like to know uh, a couple things though, about it i mean i know you're not gonna have these answers but are both parents elite level?
1: Um, mm-hmm. Is it just one? Is it just it the could other? Be a, it could be an uncle. It just said related.
0: Yeah, it said related to.
1: It don't even say parent. It could be an uncle, cousin. I will say this, though. 48% and
2: what was it for MLB? What you say? 10, 14 14 14. 14, 14, 14. The pool in which you're drawing from elite athletes is way, way, way smaller than it's like it's like uh, Gonzaga versus the field this year in NCAA tournament. Odds are you'd go ahead and pick the field just because the pool is bigger, the odds are better, right? So uh, that's what's kind of interesting to me though, thinking about this because it's like if there's, we'll just say for example, to make it easy, a hundred players in the MLB. Fourteen of them are related, have relation. The other eighty-six do not. But that fourteen may only be from, let's just say, a thousand people versus the other eighty-six could be from. Hundred thousand, right? So your odds are actually better if you come from an elite background, if that Mm. makes sense. Do you see what I'm saying? If
0: you come, if you come from an elite background, there's
2: less elite level athletes, as we're calling them, elite level athletes to draw from than than the than the rest. So your odds would actually—it's a greater percentage of people are coming from that than elsewhere, right? Right, Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. But also, I think it's interesting that you are part of that 14%. Yeah, shout out Nancy and Cooter.
1: <laughs> yeah, Nancy and, Nancy and the Hall of Fame represent.
0: Yeah, so you come from, so that's what I think about all the time is, and think about, your mom coached us. Oh, I know. Like, you had to have some sort of advantage because your parents have been playing at a higher level, you know, sport where my father didn't even play sports or my, my mom she played sports but it wasn't at an elite level by any means so it's like okay well how does that get it's just interesting to me to kind of analyze and look at those numbers for genetics
2: for sure and i think it's fun to build oh we just kind of did like build the context around it yeah because it is such an interesting debate and you know this is just kind of like a the what-if scenarios and stuff but it's also interesting to think about what kind of like backgrounds those people grew up with, because I know a lot of elite level, you know, players that have kids and their kids are not that good, whether it's because of the nurturing almost. So it was like too easy for them growing up because they had everything, you know, and it's like the, you know, the argument for another day of how much harder, how much more difficult is it raising kids with a lot of money because Shoot, when we were growing up, brother, it's like, well, you want those hundred and thirty dollar pair of shoes? You better, Think again. You, like you a seventy dollar one. Yeah because, <laughs> some grass. yeah. because I ain't paying for that. But when you raise a kid with a lot of money, it's like, how can you really say no? Like
0: Yeah, that's just uh, And that's, explain it. <laughs> that's a problem for you and Mao to figure out. Me and yeah, Mitchell will <laughs> be <laughs> In the seventies. If you want your kid to come cut our yard, just let him know it's fifteen bucks off the top.
2: That's it. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, I, I think I, it's an interesting argument. And I think that if there's any takeaway, obviously both are very important. I think it's really understand for coaches to understand what the nature is so they can develop the nurture. I also yeah. think it's important for parents because, you know, I, I personally, you know, I don't do lessons. That's just not really like my thing. I'll help kids when i if I'm hitting with them or whatever, but I don't seek out to do lessons for money or whatever. But I've definitely come across kids where their parents are very pushy about it, and it's like, yo, I'm not helping your kid because, like, no offense, but, like, you're wasting your money. Like, this kid, I see – I like, I know good players, and I know he doesn't have it. Like, there's no coaching that's going to take this kid from the level he's at to where you want him to
0: be. Like,
2: I'm sorry. I don't care what kind of training you do. Your kid will only throw 83. Like, he's not going to throw any harder than that. Okay, so – I'm sorry. You know yes. what I mean?
0: Yeah. Which I think as as a good little wrap up point is there, it's not one or the other, which some people were probably listening. Like that's stupid. You dragged us along here for 45 minutes. Now you're going to tell me that it's not because it's not, I think you have to have a combination of both. Right. So like, and, and it's all about timing too. For example, for myself, I was six foot going into college. Well, when I came out of college, I was six, three, it's my genetic com-
1: – I'm still waiting.
0: It's going to come. So oh, we'll get
1: there. I'm going to get six uh, Keep ones. it, Keep it, brother. It'll be all right. You'll get there.
0: And but so, I do want to
1: kind of just backtrack a little bit to going back on talking about coaching and finding the strengths and stuff. I mean, there's some – who's that knuckleball pitcher in the league that was there forever? All right, Dickie. Buddy but Buddy couldn't throw 84, but he was in the league yeah, he because he that, found that he, he found what he could do to get himself there go back to Mason's term was motivated to get there and figured out how he could use his strengths to in that nurturing. And I'm sure he got coached up on how to throw a knuckleball or whatever, but but it's, it's still possible even not being able to Nate with nature throwing 102 miles an hour, like the norm is now. Like, well, just, yeah.
0: I think it's also interesting too, that we came in here talking about, we're going to, you know, we're, our goal was to talk about how athletes got there and, I thought the conversation was going to be stemming around athletes. And what I'm really kind of getting out of this is a lot of this comes down to coaching. Who are you around?
2: I would say development
0: or, yeah, I mean, you know, you're obviously we, I'm, we all have coaches, like we said, who are real, have done us a lot and they're really good. And you can say, Oh, that guy's really good. Or you've been to a coach. You're like this dude, you know, either he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's just not for me.
1: Uh, Oh brother. Yeah. yeah see so what i'm so saying that's part of it you know that's so it's almost, always gonna have a good
0: coach right and so it's almost interesting to say okay well instead of looking at how many of these players have you know genetically gifted parents how many of these players have had elite coaching you know how they do like the survey of like oh this was nick Saban's staff in 2004 and you see all the coaches that have come from nick saban or this is urban meyers staff at, at florida and you see all the coaches that are now head coaches and you're like dang like how is that? And then they call it like the coaching tree.
1: Bel- yeah, Belichick, same way. Yeah, the
0: Belichick, or the you know, and so that's very interesting. That it is true. I I'm with you, Dansby. I do agree that you your genetic makeup gets you to a certain point, and then deliberate, good coaching that makes is specific to you is what takes you to that next level. Because like for football, we'll have kids that are, and you know, I hopefully don't offend anybody are terrible but they're six seven weaker than well water can't bench 225 pounds and coaches will come in and kirby smart will look at him and be like hey he what's that what's that kid what's that what's that kid's what's that kid's name i that like, coach watch his film be like yeah but coach you six seven you can't teach size
2: so. exactly that that's you can't teach size. You can't teach speed. You can't teach some of these God-given uh, intangibles. Yeah, you know whether it's mentally. You know, I mean, mentally is definitely more acquired, I would say. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's that that can be a whole that could be a part too because that's oh, yeah.
0: yeah the mental um,
2: aspect is as a whole which we'd need like a brain expert on here because it's a combination of both once again.
0: Yeah, because if you look at like the Julian Edmonds of the world or you know, they're not, he's not.
1: My boy Spud Webb.
0: Yeah. But like, they're not genetically gifted or even like, you could say like Chris Paul. He's not genetically gifted, but his IQ level is high. He understands the game. He's, you know, more mature in certain aspects. So it's like, all right, well, that allows him to do what he does. And he's a heck of a bowler.
1: And he's a heck of a bowler. So.
0: It's very interesting. Good for him. And Mookie Betts.
1: Um,
2: But I'm just going to say this to wrap it up on like a good positive note. If there's anything to be taken away from this other than just phenomenal conversation, it would be like we've always talked about in life, but especially for athletes, find what your strengths are. Like truly reflect and understand what your strengths are and do those. Talk about what you can do. Don't talk about what you can't do. Okay. I promise you that will lead you to a better a better spot um because you're actually going to be playing to your strengths which i would double down on my strength before i would try and work on like a weakness right so that's just my that's just my dan's wisdom for the day
0: yeah find what you're good at and find the best way to get better at that because you're yeah you're good at something for a reason so Dedicate yourself to that reason and just watch the growth happen.